0: Welcome to the Doctors Debrief podcast. I'm Dr Louise Tuckwell, a Senior Emergency Department CMO working in Southern New South Wales, and I'm also the Director of pre-vocational Education and Training. This podcast has been created with the support of the New South Wales Higher Education Training Institute. It aims to look at issues relating to stresses faced by doctors and how to effectively debrief and manage these. I will also be speaking with a number of inspirational doctors to explore how they manage working in our challenging profession. I'm fortunate to have with me today, Dr. Monica Moore. Dr. Moore is a GP who works full as a full-time psychotherapist in Sutherland, Sydney, and she's also been involved in training doctors through the RACGP and numerous other organisations such as the Black Dog Institute. So thanks for talking with me today, Monica. Louise, it's a pleasure to be here
1: and I'm quite excited about talking about effective debriefing, which I think is a subject very close to my heart because I run groups for GPs, you know, to debrief and it's been really helpful.
0: So I'd like to chat about it. Oh, that's great. Now, I thought before we tackle today's topic, which as you said, is how to debrief effectively, I just wondered if you might tell us about the work you were doing and perhaps also your pathway to getting to that point.
1: Okay. So as, as you mentioned, I mean, I work like a psychologist. so I have one hour sessions. I do psychotherapy and counselling. And I got here because I just was your regular GP and people would cry and I didn't know what to do. And in my area, there were some fairly visionary clinicians at the hospital who suggested that doctors who were GPs could be trained using a manual to do manualised CBT for anxiety and depression. And so we were enrolled in a pilot study and I got to have training by by attending sessions with a psychologist and psychiatrist and they taught us how to do manualized CBT. And I was so excited to be able to do this mm. and worked in a group practice at the time where lots of people were very happy to refer to me for treatment given that there were no item numbers, Medicare item numbers for psychologists. And so I enrolled a lot of people and felt this is fantastic. I loved doing the work. I loved the effect that it had, how it was helpful to people. So I got more excited about doing more counselling. So I I started to have sessions devoted just to counselling. And then mm. my practice was split. And then eventually I made a decision in 2005 that I was only going to do psychotherapy because I got so busy. So that's how I got here. It wasn't planned.
0: No, but that's just wonderful, isn't it? So um, very good. So so for today, we will now, you know, start to then speak about how to debrief effectively. And I thought, would you mind just defining what a debrief actually is? So there are lots of definitions, okay. But
1: the one that I currently use is basically unpacking a situation that is potentially causing you distress or really causing you distress, okay, or, you know, you imagine it might and making sense of it so that you can then make clear decisions about what you need to do with respect to it. So different people will get distressed by different situations and so it's not a one-size-fits-all. But debriefing involves having a good listener and making sense of things.
0: Okay. Oh, very good. And what sort of type of debriefings are there?
1: I was thinking about this and how there's so many variations when we talk about debriefing and that, for example, within certain uh, professions like the firemen or policemen or, you know, even within hospital systems, there might be some compulsory debriefing Mm. that people have to attend and there are mixed reviews on that as versus, you know, a voluntary debriefing where you might decide, yeah, this is this is heavy on my mind. I, I need to go and do something about this. And so you debrief voluntarily. And group versus individual, and there are benefits and not so good things about each one. There are some times when an immediate debrief is a really useful thing, like after a major disaster, like a bombing or a tsunami, or sometimes after things the dust has settled, a debrief is a good idea then. Mm-hmm. Psychologists, social workers, anyone who works in the mental health field has regular debriefing so regular supervision or mentoring sessions, but they also seek occasional debriefing if you've got a particular tough case. and that's something that I do. So in my work even though I'm a GP, I have regular supervision that's booked and I think about my cases and I go, okay, so what's what might be weighing on my mind that I need to talk about? And then there's good versus bad debriefing in my, mm. in my books. And I think sometimes, you know, if you, if you think about times when you've been deep, you know, in a session where you think, okay, so I want to unpack what's happened, make sense of it and feel better, and you end up feeling worse. And so there are so many ways that it can go pear-shaped when you feel invalidated, when the whole purpose of the debriefing session is to assign blame, you know, when there's too much detail. So if we talk too much about the detail of things and we rehash the story over and over and over again, we can actually get re-traumatised. And so if people keep asking us details of questions, uh, detailed questions about the event, that can actually not be so so helpful. And, you know, when people are more interested in the details of the events rather than our emotional reactions, because it's our emotional reactions that when we talk about them that help us to make sense of what happened. So, look, and I'm sure that, you know, as people look back on their histories and they think about throughout their lives when they've debriefed, you know, what's been helpful and what's not been. And so each person has their own style. And so, you know, as we talk about this, what has worked for you in the past, that's what you should ask for when we're asking for a debriefing session. Very personal. Mm.
0: Oh absolutely, and yeah, no, I think you you've spot on there in terms of I was just thinking about yeah numerous times where I've experienced various <laughs> forms and and effects of debriefing in in different um, situations. So so I think like as doctors, we sort of work in a profession where I suppose we're under particular stresses and things and and there often I think is times where we should be debriefing. So as doctors, when would you think are good times for us to debrief?
1: So it depends, again, on the person, okay, but usually if you get caught by something and, and you know, different people, different things, there's so some people, you know, it's just the weight of the day, like all the trauma that you've seen within a day that might be then, you know, you need to debrief about that. Sometimes it might be about the way you behaved with, you know, it's weighing heavily on your mind. Sometimes it might be the reaction of a person, who reacted in a distressed way in your presence and you need to debrief about that. And so it really depends on what for you has been the problem. But the main thing is, is that it's to listen to yourself and to go, am I trying to put something in a container that keeps wanting to pop out again? Am I trying? Because, you know, we compartmentalise. We kind of go, to get on with the day, I need to just put that session aside and I just need to put that away so I can get on with right here, right now, this other thing that I'm dealing with. Okay. And we do that. And that's okay. But then afterwards we need to unpack it and we need to look at it and we need to make sense of it and we need to make connections in our memory banks with other times when we've overcome, you know, similar distressing things or if it's a new distressing thing that we need to create some new pathways on how to cope. And so it's, I, I actually think that regular debriefing, that's where it has its advantages, you see, because, you know, if you think about it, a regular book group that you attend means that you can have regular discussions of a book. Whereas if you just wait until, oh well, I'll organize it and then I have to ring all my friends, and then you know, some of them can't come. And then you know, it's so much harder to organize things each time. So mm. I think regular sessions can often be a good time to kind of go, this has been weighing on my mind. Can I discuss it with you guys?
0: Yeah, no, I think it's it's mm. very helpful. And in terms of when we're looking for someone to debrief with, do you have any suggestions about who we should you know, seek out to do this? Mm, okay.
1: Because debriefing means showing your vulnerability, sometimes your dog is the best person to debrief with, okay, <laughs> if you've got no one else. Mm. But yeah, I mean, it, it seems funny, but there are people who have some very effective conversations with their pets. Okay, mm. so let's. But, but look, a peer because a peer is someone who often has the same background as you and sort of hears where you're coming from. Mm. Or it could be a mentor, someone who has more experience than you, has been there, done that. Mm. It could be a friend who's a good listener. It could be a family member again who you trust. Mm. It could be an online group. There are lots of online groups. Like I, I've heard of a, an online group called Crispy GPS, and okay. it's a group of GPS who um, are feeling themselves burning out, which is why they call themselves Crispy okay. um, rather than Toasted, and that they and they use it as a space to debrief about all the stresses that that are on them um, mm-hmm. and. And, you know, to have someone listen and kind of go, yeah, no wonder, you know, that's okay, and to validate that. And the really important part of it, I think, is that you feel safe with them, that you don't feel that they're going to be critical or shame you or, you know, tell you, I'll just, you know, buck up, get over it, shouldn't we act that way, that they won't offer you solutions and that it will be confidential. They won't tell someone else about it. Confidentiality is key. Mm. So those are the things I can think of. Other people might come up with different ideas.
0: Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Oh, no, very good. And can you go through some of the elements of what makes an effective debrief?
1: So I was in a course a long time ago, okay, with someone who was teaching hypnosis, and he told us about a book called The 15-Minute Hour, Mm. Um, by these two clinicians in Canada. And uh, they had a technique called bathe, okay, which is where for any clinical interaction as a general practice or, you know, when you're working with someone in a hospital system that you, B is for bother, okay, so what that person's coming for. And you give the person 90 seconds, like one and a half minutes of just listening, hearing mm. their story. and And when I say listening, like with intent, Okay. Like where you're just focused, you're not looking at the computer screen, you're not looking around you, you're not, you might take a few notes, like just a a brief word or something and say, I'm just taking notes so I remember. But Mm -hmm. you're so focused on this person and Mm -hmm. you're just giving them like this amazing sort of, and and Alice Walker, who is a, a psychotherapist, would call it the enlightened witness. So someone who witnesses your pain, who witnesses your story, and who is, you know, validates you, that you feel that someone really gets you. Mm. So bathe is, B is for bother, A is for affect. How do you feel about that? Mm. And, you know, and then you go, yeah, no wonder you feel like that, you know, so that concept of being validated. Mm. T is for trouble. What troubles you the most about this? And, Mm. of course, then that goes into that individual variation about, you know, I am bothered specifically by this aspect of it. Mm. And as a clinician, you know, we either will be handling it very well and we've got the resources, the skills, we've got a plan already, or we actually are not coping. And that's really important for the listener in the debrief to be aware of. And mm. so we ask the H and base, H, how are you handling it? And if okay. the person says, oh, yeah, look, I've got it, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, and they go, fantastic. Mm. Whereas if they go, I have no idea, I'm all at C. And it's really weighing on my mind and it's just, you know, I just feel so overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And the response to that will be different, okay? Mm -hmm. And then E is for empathy. That sounds really hard. No wonder you're bothered about this. You know, it's a really tough gig. Whatever it is that fits the situation at the time, that shows that you are that, you know, enlightened witness that you really get the other person. And mm. so really creating that environment, you know, of confidentiality and safety where people can be vulnerable and and vulnerable as in open and authentic and honest about what's going on for them. That's the best debriefing environment. And that's how to do it in such a way that you create that space. So that's how I would see it anyway. And, and you know, in terms of Advice, you know, a good debrief is where you have it's almost like what they say about when you practice mindfulness meditation, you know, they have focused attention, curiosity without judgment. You know, how they say, you know, just that's how you meditate, Mm -hmm. and that, you know, it gently guides you. The other thing is gently guiding the person to keep the details superficial uh, because there is a lot of research, especially after um, 9 11 if people joined online groups and just went into every detail of their trauma, two years later, they were still finding life just as difficult as they had after the event. Whereas if they had joined groups that were a little bit more structured, where they were validated and they were allowed to debrief, but they were also encouraged to identify the problem and then to do some problem solving around it. it was supported, That they were then able to, you know, make sense of the trauma and to get on with their lives. So it's important, you know, to, to have members, you know, sometimes people think, I just need to get it off my chest. But getting it off your chest in great detail can sometimes lead to just going round and round and round, and you don't get out of that space. So we hold a fine balance in a debrief. It's actually quite. I find it quite difficult to do, and I don't know about other people, but, you know, how much do you allow people to speak their truth and to feel, you know, that we are the witness to their pain and how much do we sort of interrupt them in an empathic sort of way and say, look, I'm just a bit concerned that by going over it in detail that you're just re-traumatising yourself. If, is it okay if we just, you know, what is, you know, what's troubling you most about this? Like how can we address it in a way that's helpful for you today? So so really being curious about it and discussing it with people, asking people, how can I best help you in this debrief? And always asking permission before giving advice. You know, because mm-hmm. we GPs, well, I don't know about, you know, anybody else, but I remember, you know, my biggest struggle with learning motivational interviewing was, you know, don't give advice. Mm. Um it's so quick to give advice mm. uh, so I've, my supervisors you know many supervisors would say Monica just sit on your hands it's really helpful okay uh, go so on. that's how I do it so that's some of my ideas about you know sort of how to do it and what, what makes up a good debrief yeah um, mm. other people might have other ideas about it what do you think Louise when you L- I love
0: I love the Bathe. and I just, mm. yeah, I just love having a sort of a framework and because I think we're all called upon by people at times, you know, doctors or even friends or colleagues to be, you know, help with it or debrief someone and it's it's just great to see that there are sort of ways that we could approach this that might actually be even more helpful for the people that we're really trying to help. So, um, no, I think that's that's wonderful. So thank you for sharing that. Now, you mentioned when we were discussing um, this recently the idea of mm. doing some group peer support as one method of doctors supporting one another in a structured manner. Would you mind telling us a bit about about that?
1: So, I've I've had the privilege to be invited to facilitate a group of GPs who, like many other GPs in Australia, you know, had the bushfires and then had you know floods and then had COVID just mm. to top it off, oh, on top of everything else that GPs normally cope with.
0: Mm. And
1: so they were they were getting a bit crispy. And so the, the local PHN organised for me to facilitate some group sessions with them, sp- talking specifically about burnout. And so I ran the groups and was just deli- like it was delightful to watch these people sort of form a group and engage and develop this group safety about confidentiality, and and you know this wonderful, beautiful respect for the differences in perspective and opinion. And you know, as a facilitator, I was encouraging them to uh, you know speak things from their perspective rather than give advice. To give advice, you know, at a section like you know we would have uh, sort of you know, a basic introduction initially, and then, you know, how's everybody going? And, you know, I sometimes used an icebreaker just to add a bit of humour. And then one person would say, you know, I've got something to uh, discuss and then everybody go, right. And, And that would allow everybody then to, you know, the wisdom of the group to come together, which was just stunningly beautiful and the support that they gave each other. And it allowed also the person to make sense of what they were going through and to have that common humanity like it's not just me and to have mm. some self compassion if that was what was needed and there's a lot of laughing because you know humor disarms a lot of you know sort of discomfort and um yeah it was it was just it's just been a lovely beautiful experience to be part of that and so i i think that the more doctors that have that available to them that, you know, and the feedback that they gave was how much of a difference it made because each of them made some real lasting changes to the way that they were working. It, like it wasn't just, you know, it changed the way they were feeling, but it was also led to some problem solving that was really quite effective for them. Mm. Um, and I think
0: that that's, you know, the other very practical side of it mm. for when you're stuck so that's oh, my experience yeah I mean so clearly that group um, setting does have some you know advantages as you say with the sharing and the problem solving and yeah so I think that that's that's a really good good model and sort of one that as, you, as I've said we're going to try and pursue in our area with with your support so now in terms of things that you know can be really beneficial about a debrief what what might lead to a debrief sort of being not so helpful so I'm thinking, actually,
1: I might ask you that question first. Think back to one of your debriefs that wasn't so helpful.
0: Yeah. Look, I is must. That's
1: okay. Be... Sorry, I don't, I don't want to put you on this. No, spot, no, 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 no. In fact, you know I, I, mean? I, sometimes, I must.
0: Yeah. No, no, this is fine because it's a more generic thing. I, I do find, you know, because I do a lot of emergency work and stuff, I, I find sometimes the scheduled, okay, we're going to get everybody together and have a debrief and it might not be, the timing is sometimes awkward because of trying to get people together and people respond differently. And so some of those debriefs I've found not as helpful, particularly if some people experienced the the event in a different way to what I did. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I suppose that's randomly bringing together a group of people, quick, we must debrief now. I don't think would works as well as a group that's decided we're going to come together and, and we're going to do this in a more planned fashion. That would be my sort of initial thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's what I was talking about, that thing where organisations have these set things that we have to debrief after these set events. And mm. not everybody's at the same stage, and some people would be better without a debrief, and some people mm-hmm. really need to debrief, but they need to do it in a different setting and with a different person who isn't looking at their watch, going, "Okay, let's get it over and done with," because I need to pick up the yes. kids. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's we it really needs to have all these parameters to make it feel safe and to make it feel helpful. Mm. Um, and I was thinking about my experiences, and I've had, you know, being an older woman, I've had a lot of. Very helpful debriefs and some shockers. And I would have to say that it's where I've gone in with a mistake that I've made, and I'm very sensitive to my mistakes and but would really like to get it right. And so I'm very open about, you know, I want to talk about what I did wrong, and you know how can I? Um, not do this again, and that it it has been that for whatever reason maybe the person was tired or, you know, they or they didn't know how to do it and then I actually felt worse afterwards. So that in itself was an experience that I've had. I mean, I'd, I'd be curious. But again, you know, it's such a personal thing. Mm. And, and I was thinking also of, of when I was asked to debrief someone else and they weren't ready, but it was my role to do so. Mm. And it was such an awkward thing mm. where i I said, "Look, I you know I was asked to do this and and uh, mm. but how are you with it? Like you know, I was contracted to come and talk to you guys. And mm. you know, and there was this sort of the temperature in the room was icy, and it was just <laughs> like <laughs> not comfortable at all so those no. uh, you know that those are the ones that kind of stand out in my mind
0: yeah so they weren't um, ready to bathe those people
1: they weren't they didn't you know they weren't bothered to start off with like, or rather you know they were just bothered about being there that was mm. their bother. that's what needed mm. to be debriefed, but they were mandated to attend this meeting one more meeting okay mm. when they would They have been patting their dog and telling their dog about it because, you know, that's how they debriefed. Mm. I mean, and actually I I know it sounds a bit funny, but there is this sort of sense of our relationships we have with our pets can sometimes be the safest, most comforting relationships we have. And, And a lot of people that I treat who have had just distressingly traumatic backgrounds but who have a capacity to function in the world have done so because they've had this amazing relationship with the pet as they mm. were growing up. Mm. So um, you know what I mean? Or, you know, with yeah. someone who's saying, you know, like I don't want to do this in front of these peers who are not safe. Like the, the debriefer might be safe, but the peers might not be safe. Mm. So I've actually worked with someone who had to debrief in front of an unsafe peer who right. then, you know, was teasing everybody about their reactions and really being uh-huh. very inappropriate. that's another situation that can be, you know what I mean? So your group
0: has to be safe, has to be safe parameters. Yeah. So it's really something that, you know, can be very powerful but has to be done well with thought and planning, Mm. isn't it? Mm. What sort of training or preparation do you advise for doctors who are actually wanting to run a debrief? Okay.
1: (laughs) So, I'm, I must admit, okay, so I have participated in a lot of group and individual debriefing sessions, okay, mm. but I've never been taught how to run one. So, when I was asked to run it, mm. I was kind of like, but I have to tell everybody I've never done this before. I'm going to be really honest, okay, so they mm. can help me because I'm going to need help to build this. So, that's the curiosity and also the learner stance, because mm. even though you know, like, say, for example, I I say, okay, let's get a group of people together that I can talk about, you know, sort of these are the ideas that I think are helpful. But when yeah. you form your own group and you're facilitating your own group, you might say, okay, group, what would be helpful for you guys? Because that's how I did the group, you know. I mm. said, what do you guys want to get out of this group? Um, mm. You know, what would be helpful? Can we set some agendas here? Look, can to set an agenda, you know, like about what we're trying to get out of this group? And that stops it by having topics. It stops it from degenerating into just a wind session. And mm. that's one of the things I think is important. I also think that having regular supervision, so in other words, you know, I have supervision about the group. So I speak to a colleague who is trained in supervising mm. and I say, look, you know, this is what happened in the group last night. And, you know, I'm just curious about, you know, the dynamics and do you have any ideas? And he goes, well, you know, my training in being a professional supervisor, these are the sort of ideas that, you know, sort of, and I go, Oh yeah, okay, you know, and, and then I take it back to the group and I go, you know, how about we do it slightly differently and we mm. do it this way? So but it's always about having the learner position, you know, that as a facilitator, you're, you have a mission to keep things safe and to bring things back to you know the agenda to you know sometimes it's a bit like herding cats, but mm. at the same time that you're curious and that you're always willing to learn and to and to be you know enriched by the group and modified by the group and to get your own sort of wisdom enriched by the group. So that, mm. those are the things that I guess I think about when I'm thinking about facilitating a group like that.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, I think that that sounds like a, a great thing, having your own supervisor as well or, or mentor. So um, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. always checking base with someone else, you know, so we're always yeah. sort of checking with someone else who checks with someone else who checks with someone else. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, no, that's great. And I think I just wanted to also mention, I suppose, you know, when we're talking about, you know, this sort of debriefing, it, it's for those things that might sort of bother us at times as you say we sort of pack away and they're still grumbling away but they're probably you know there are cases when a doctor's actually suffering from a, a mental illness rather than just a mm. you know normal stress response and and they'd require more than debriefings do you have any sort of things to mm. comment on this sort of situation
1: Look, this is the thing, isn't it? I mean, we are human beings and like all human beings we're subject to the same brain patterns, traumas, stress responses. And so, you know, there is no reason to think that we're um, immune to that. So when I started the group and I was thinking about how do we ensure safety, you know, Mm. and so I said, look, you know, as well as confidentiality, because of my training in mental health, if I start to detect that any of you, okay, have symptoms that would benefit from going to see a therapist, I will contact you individually and talk to you about it. Okay. And so I won't necessarily diagnose you, but I'll say, these are my concerns. I've observed this behavior. I've observed, observed that, you know, you, you talk about it in this particular way. So usually I'm, I'm reflecting that behavior that I've observed. And so in this particular group that I was facilitating, I wasn't concerned about any of them, but there was another group that I was a member of And it wasn't part of the group discussion at the beginning, like when Mm. we were setting it up, Mm. and then it became really difficult for the facilitator to kind of monitor the behaviour of the one person in the group who really would have benefited from going to see a therapist and getting the help that, you know, we advise for our patients. Mm. Yeah. I think think just being out there and just saying, you know, it's normal and Let's just invite it in, and let's just deal with it. But it's confidential; like it's not in front of everyone else.
0: That's right. Yeah, just approaching them individually is is you know yeah. very wise. Now, we've had in our area, sounds similar to the who you were working with, you know, the fires at the end of 2019, followed by the COVID pandemic. Oh. I mean, do you feel that like yeah. these recent difficult times has made it more important that we do look at some more formalised debriefing? I've been advocating for GPs to have the capacity to have either
1: super uh, individual or group supervision, like for years, mm. for years, like ever since... I started having my own supervision, which was, you know, in 1998, and I started having my own individual supervision. And ever since then, I've been thinking, why did gps do this this is brilliant this is mm. fantastic you know and yes we know we would debrief like as a gp i would at lunchtime talk to other members of the of the group practice over lunch you know about mrs so-and-so you know came in and i just didn't know what to do and, and the other person will go oh you know oh, this has been helpful before and blah 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 and that's mm. great you know like we can do those debriefs and in, in the spare moments that you have and that's fantastic but the more formalized thing where we talk about our own more personal more vulnerable reaction you know i find it very difficult for example when people get angry with me and uh, well i used to and you know sort of in general practice like i'd i it would sort of really resonate and i'd find it really difficult and it, and sort of through my supervision i've learned how to make sense of it and how to put it into you know take some of it mm-hmm. to therapy and all that kind of stuff and so that would have been helpful if at the time when i was in general practice If someone had said to me, Monica, it sounds like you need to take this to therapy because it's a big reaction that you're having and so, Mm. you know, it would be good to work through some of that within a therapeutic framework. Mm. Um, That's the kind of thing that you can have when you have individual or group supervision. It's like a normalisation and it's kind of like, yeah, and now I can my brain's switched on and I can focus and I'm no longer emotionally reacting and I can solve this problem. And this is what I mean that happened in the group, you know, that I facilitated, that these GPs kind of just say, okay, so that's no wonder I'm so burnt out because it's got this, this and this, and this is what I'm going to do. And, and they all did. They all made changes. Mm. Um, and none of, the, like, it, you know, wasn't, the aim of the group wasn't to make practical changes in their lives. The aim of the group was how do you cope with stress? Funnily mm. mm. enough, sometimes it is about change yeah so I've always advocated for it because <laughs> and you know is it worse because of the the recent stresses that we've had and and the future ones that are coming and all this kind of stuff heck you know the the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago and the next best time is now
0: so let's mm. start
1: now like yeah, yeah oh awesome.
0: absolutely and I often sometimes think you know people don't Hesitate to think, oh, I want to get fit, I'll go off and see a personal trainer. And I sort of think about <laughs> it really, some of this stuff, it's like for your mind, it's just saying, look, I just need, you know, a trainer or a group session just to, you know, to, to get things a bit clearer. So just before we finish up, Monica, do you have any other advice for doctors who want to debrief effectively?
1: Well, first, I have to ask the doctors who are listening. If you don't want to listen to my advice, just take the take your earphones oh, okay. out. Commission, <laughs> <Get> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. I, look, I I think the thing is, okay, that we're trained in medicine. It's really interesting. We're mm. trained in medicine, okay, to be self sufficient to not listen to our emotional responses, to just not, you know, not feel, just think and do. And -hmm. sometimes we really need to be able to do that. Like if someone's Mm -hmm. having a cardiac arrest, it's not going to be helpful for Monica to kind of go, oh, my God, this is really awful. You know, like it's going to be helpful for Monica to just get her act together and to just do what needs to be done, okay, Mm -hmm. and then have a quiet tear somewhere else. But it's that quiet tear somewhere else If I can then take it home and debrief it with someone or if I can have a formal session where I talk about my response and I make sense of that grief, you know, this is where you stop the build-up because what we don't realise is that it's like anything else it's, you know, when we hear about the death of a thousand cuts, the reason why a lot of people who work within the police force, who are paramedics, they will cope with a lot and they will do a lot of this compartmentalization and not take it mm-hmm. home and, you know, sort of business as usual and all that. But it builds up within the subconscious mind, all this unsolved, it's rubbish building up. And Mm. if we don't sort it, if we don't make sense of it, um, eventually what happens is it just gets to the top and then we're full and then, you know what I mean, and then it's too Mm. much and then we become non-functional. And so Mm. it's actually better to debrief as we go.
0: Mm. Oh, very, very... Good, good um, comments there, would I say, rather than advice. Nice. <laughs> no, <that's- laughs>
1: so, you know, am I advising? I'm going, heck yeah, you know, like it worked for me, why wouldn't it work for you?
0: Yeah. Uh, and-
1: The thing is, choose how you you, you do your debrief. I mean, choose, do you want to have it individually with someone else? Mm. Um, Do you want to have it with sometimes personal? I mean, the life coach movement at the moment, the personal coach, it's really booming, okay? Mm. I actually know someone who said, what I need is a governess who says, Monica, sit down, have a cup of tea and Mm. tell me all about it. You know what Mm. I mean? Mm. Like I need to, you know, Andy Warhol said, I need a boss and retainer. He will Mm. boss me around, tell me what to do, go to bed, do this, do that, don't go to work tomorrow, go for a walk along the beach, like whatever it is. But, uh, you know, sometimes we need to do something with that grief or with that reaction that we've had. Sometimes Mm. it is better to join a Facebook group. And mm. to just to, you know, like crispy GPs or, mm. and, you know, make sure that you join a group that doesn't spend too much time on the detail, otherwise you can just get re-traumatised and you end up, see how you feel after joining the group. If you feel worse afterwards, it's not the one for you. That's mm. how to tell. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But,
0: That's- you know, I would invite you to try. Oh, no, I think I think it's great and I think it's very, yeah, it's a good time I think for us to, you know, try and get some of these up and running and, and support one another in that in that way. So thank you so much for your wisdom and experience and all you had to share with us today, Monica. I really do appreciate that. Well, I hope it's been helpful.
1: Thank you for calling it wisdom. I hope it is to some people. And look, thank you for asking me because I think it's such an important topic and I'm so glad you and the other doctors in the area are organising it. It's just lovely.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and, you know, it's it's a great time for it
0: so thank you oh thank you so much again Monica all right all the best then okay thank you